I think Ryan Willis is what he is. I don't think you're going to see a vast improvement from him. He's going to be better. I think the run think game has to be better for him to be better. Welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leland McRae. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Yak Sports Podcast. I'm Joe Deck, Leland McRae. With me as usual, and Leland, college football kicked off this week, but also high school football kicked off this week, and that's where we'll go ahead and start. Uh, let's start with the game you and I witnessed. Uh, we were at Wilson Memorial High School as they took on Waynesboro. Uh, Wilson was a little slow to get started, but once they got started, uh, they pretty much controlled that ball game, ended up winning at 41 nothing. Yeah, it, it, it was hopeful for Waynesboro when it started, when their defense was really stepping up well. But I would say if I had to point at what Wilson did, like what hurt Wilson on their own accord was they, they just don't have enough guys. They, they're just, they, you could see that short bench. Cause in the second quarter, when things started to turn, you could just see the fatigue. You could see it's not so much a second stream, but just, just getting a couple subs in here and there to give guys some breathers. And you have a lot of guys playing both ways. So I think that really had an impact there. Um, you know, they shot themselves in the foot a couple times, but I really look at that as being the major thing that, you know, you can kind of address that, like maybe some additional conditioning. I don't, I don't know. I forget when their bye week is, but maybe like just use that first week of the bye week to really increase conditioning too. But uh, in general, you're going to need these guys running harder all game. And it just didn't seem like they had it there. Now the other mistakes, that's football. That's a team that's playing with young guys. You're going to work on that stuff, too. But I, I just thought the conditioning was something you could kind of point out that wasn't um, mistakes by young people. Uh, Wilson, though, Wilson imposed their will starting in the second quarter. They they were figuring things out in the first quarter and then they finally got it going. And uh, then they really put it on them in the third quarter. Yeah, I don't know. I think this is Waynesboro. Uh, I think they are what they are. I, I think the conditioning yeah. is whatever. But when you only have 30, what is it, 30 guys on the team, uh, you can – there's 22 of them have to play. So it, that's at most. Um, it's yeah, going to be hard. And they've got players playing both ways. A lot you've, of guys playing You've both got ways. injuries already. Um, so – I don't know. It, this Waynesboro is going to have this problem no matter how much conditioning they do just because not a lot of teams are built for what Waynesboro is going to have to do this season. Um, I, I know you brought it up on Friday night, and I kind of agreed. I thought there were times where they try to get a little too complicated when it's probably better just to run a simple offense at this point. Um, but, you know, Waynesboro is going to do what they want to do, and those coaches are going to do what they think works best for their kids, and we'll see how that works out. Uh, for Wilson, I thought it was, you know, hopefully Johnson is okay, but I think it must have been assuring to see Whiting step in and really take over that ball game uh, when they needed him to step up and kind of that next man up role. Yeah, I mean, he was player of the game, and, and he didn't even start. And that's just a, you know, that's one of those Hollywood movie story things. So it's that's cool for that kid. But now, you know, if Johnson continues to be hurt, he's got to step into a in a bigger role than he was envisioning coming into the season and uh he has to adjust to that and he also can't he won't be surprising people then uh they'll they'll study film on him and he'll have to be ready to go um but a great game you can't ask for anything more for than for a second string guy to to do that and uh i I was happy for the kid 
I was happy for Wilson to kind of get it going because, man, that first quarter, you could kind of see the rustling in the stands and some some comments from just outside the window that, like, man, we were expecting a little better. And uh, then they got it going. So I'm, I'm hopeful for them. You know, there you have, like, LeRae coming up, and that's a really big measuring stick for them. So while they can enjoy this win against the rival, they really got to play an A game this week to come out with a win against a LeRae team that beat Central Woodstock. So I, I, I'm hopeful for Wilson's sake, uh, but this week could be pretty tough for him. Yeah, if they start like they did against Waynesboro, that's a loss. Uh, LeRae is going to be a good football team. They're going to be a much better test than yeah. Waynesboro. And you and I kind of talked about this after tonight or after Friday night. I still don't know what to make in that ball game. Um, it's hard to tell just because we know Waynesboro is going to struggle this year. And so it's hard to get an accurate gauge of what Wayne Wilson has right now. Um, and we'll see this week coming up against Larray, like you said, that's going to be a, a really big measuring stick for the rest of their season. Uh, I think if, if Wilson only would have beat Waynesboro by like 20, then you'd probably pull back the reins a little bit, but they were in the area of, okay, they did what they were supposed to do. And so, yeah, maybe you're not assured of anything better than we were expecting, but they did what they were supposed to do. Moving on a uh, Buffalo gap went to Berryville and this time it did not go according to plan for Buffalo gap. They lost 42 to nothing to Clark County in a game that really Clark County controlled from the beginning. Again, this is another one. I don't think you and I were surprised to see what happened. Uh, we've talked about it. Buffalo Gap's going to struggle this year on offense, trying to figure out what they're going to be and what their identity is. Who's going to be that person to fill in uh, and take over now that Rivenberg's gone. Uh, they didn't get that answer last week. Clark County ran all over them. Clark County's going to be a very good football team in class two. So I don't think, you know, it's some grand indictment of Buffalo Gap that they couldn't beat Clark County or, you know, they got beat as bad as they did by Clark County. Clark County was on a mission. They were mad after last year. And I think that's just what you saw on uh, Friday when they went up to Berryville. Yeah, it, it definitely wasn't what Gap wanted. That's for sure. Um, I, 42 nothing, I think, is even maybe a touch worse than I thought it would have been. And then that's me looking at everything positive. But I, I didn't think it would quite get away from them that much. When it was 14 nothing immediately, I was pretty disappointed. But then for them not to fight back any, not to really even get on the scoreboard, that, that was disappointing to see. So they're going to have a lot of growing pains. And I think we've talked about that all preseason. They're going to have a lot of growing pains. We know that. But I just think maybe they're a little bit behind where I was hoping they could be. Um, but luckily enough, they're playing a team that got beat 60 or 70 to nothing this week and Perry McClure uh, they got beat by Rockbridge and so they're going to have a, a winnable game in front of them so you know be disappointed with a loss you know circle the wagons get it going and then you have an opportunity to have something positive about it now if you don't have much positive out of next week that's that's a huge red flag and whatever win totals we were trying to give uh, Buffalo Gap uh, it could be worse and, and we were talking minimal numbers to begin with so um, this is a week that you must come out and, and play good football against a team that is, isn't going to the playoffs, in my opinion, in Perry McClure. So uh, they got to do it. Yeah, it's going to be a big game, and I agree with you. I think if Buffalo Gap wants to have any success this season, it needs to start this week coming up against Perry McClure because, like you said, if they don't win that game, then I think you're struggling to find wins on that schedule. So... Uh, we'll just have to see what Buffalo Gap does uh, Friday when they come out. Uh, Riverheads, they won 49-15 to 
against Washington and Lee setting up a big game against Glenvar next week um, that you and I will be at. Yeah. I mean, that game, I think I was more in my pregame predictions behind the scenes more. So was, was wondering how much Washington Lee would be able to get on the scoreboard. Uh, I knew Riverhead's defense lost a lot last year, but just from the little bit that I saw of Washington Lee, I thought Riverheads would be able to control them really well. Um, apparently their first score was Riverheads was stopping them pretty well inside the goal line area. And then I think there was a penalty that moved them up and then they fumbled forward and then fell on it. And that was a touchdown. And uh, there was a lot of thoughts that <laughs> their that goal line stand, they weren't looking good with their goal line offense that Riverheads might've been able to hold them. But we're talking about, you know, the first seven of only 15 when you gave up 49 for Washington Lee. So it's not that big a deal, but Riverheads is, is defense needs to be on fire. And a lot of times when they play these teams that are on a, just a different realm than them uh, behind them, they really do shut them down to, you know, one score or no score. So um, I think uh, we would want to see that in future games, maybe not this week against Glenver, but against some of the, the lower teams, you'd really expect them to, to hold them tight. And that's the things you're looking for at Riverheads. When you're, you're looking at a team that you, that could go undefeated that, you know, has a state championship circled. Like it, you're looking at the little things and how you, if stout your defense is, I, I think it's a good game for them, but I mean, I think Glenver's going to be a good challenge. I don't write it off as some 20 point victory like you do, but it's going to be one of their harder games to play. I don't think you can argue that point. Uh, we'll see when Friday gets here. Um, I, like who you, you think East rock is harder than them. Maybe. I and don't know. Who else? We'll see. No one. It's so going to be their toughest game. game. I just don't think it's going to be a tough year. game. I because I just because it's going to be their toughest game doesn't mean it's going to be a tough game. I think it's going to be tighter than you think. I, I really do. Oh, I'll. I mean, we'll I see. haven't been able to watch any film on it this week, but uh, by Friday I will. And I, I just have the feeling that it's going to be a it's going to be a game. Maybe Riverheads wins by two scores, but I, I just don't see it being way different than that. We'll see where we are uh, come the fourth quarter on Friday night in Greenville. <laughs> Do emergency podcast on Friday to tell everybody Joe's right, I guess. Um, Stewart's <laughs> draft. They won pretty decisively against James river. Uh, not surprised that they won, but just about how much they dominated James river in that game, 48 to seven. And they're going to have another game where you would expect them to have a lot of success when they go over to Waynesboro next week. So uh, Stewart's draft, I, that was the one team that kind of impressed me the most on opening weekend. Yeah just at how they handled James River. This is the game. This is the only game that occurred on Friday for our local teams that would, an official game, that would change your point of view or, or potentially change your point of view on the win totals we were talking. I mean, that was an impressive victory against a team that looks like they could go to the playoffs, that has good athletes, that have good pieces, and they just came out and destroyed them. I mean, that's... <laughs> That's awesome. And, and we were talking on the radio Friday. I think we talked last week on the podcast that it's probably going to be a tight game, probably a close game. It could be a, a good chance for them to prove to themselves what they can do in a tight game. And they just actually came out and walloped them. So I take that as an incredibly good sign for draft. Does it does it guarantee anything? No, but I think it's a great sign. And I think it's one of the few. Inst- I mean, it really is the only instance locally that like does this kind of change my point of view. Rester's draft. Now, I pick Sears draft to kind of be that next best team after Riverheads, the one that could maybe challenge them. Um, that I kind of pre- predict to be in that second spot. But uh, I, I mean, I think it kind of solidifies that for me and, and make, take some of the doubt away. And maybe some of the other stuff I heard about 
how the preseason wrapped up for some other teams maybe uh, maybe makes me less worrisome that they might get involved. But I think I think drafts the team that looked the best. Well, they definitely looked the best on Friday. There's or, no yeah. debating that. Yeah. All right. Uh, Stanton and Fort had bye weeks. I know Stanton scrimmaged uh, Western Albemarle. Fort scrimmaged Page County. We don't take a lot away from scrimmages, but um, they're going to get ready into the season. Stanton has Covington at Covington this week, and that's not a game I'm really worried for them. And I think if we come out of that game and uh, I was proven wrong that they should have been worried about it, that I should have been worried about that for Stanton, uh, then then that's not going to spell good on the season because Covington shouldn't be a high team in the Shenandoah district. And so if they're taking up, if they're giving Stanton problems, that's a bad sign. I agree with you. I think Stanton needs to come out and win this one decisively on the road yeah. uh, next, yeah. this week in their season opener uh, for me to still think that that's a team that's going to be competing for that second place or even third place in the Shenandoah district. Interesting talk coming from that area uh, is that they might combine Allegheny and Covington and Allegheny, I think is a three, a school or maybe a big two, a school, but I think a three, a school they're talking about combining Covington and Allegheny, which would be interesting. That would, that'd take a school out of the mix of the pioneer district, but uh, you know, it's always interesting. It doesn't happen locally as much with combining schools. Usually it's splitting off like East rock did, but that's just, that's what I was hearing rumor of in the last week or so. Yeah. I, I can't, I haven't heard that. Uh, so I can't comment on it, but yeah, I mean, and look, I mean, that's a thing down in the, that end of the state is limited, limited funds and you need to put kids somewhere. So it, if combining saves that area money, then that's probably something they'll do. Looking at the other game, the other team that's going to get going this week is Fort Defiance. Um, they are going to go to Liberty Bedford. Liberty Bedford, um, they were that team. They were that seven seed out of 3C last year that upset Spotswood. And this is a measuring stick game right off the bat for Fort Defiance. This is a team, they, they only finished, you know, a couple uh, tenths of a points away in power points. Uh, from Liberty Bedford last year. So, you know, both teams have graduated graduation. Both teams get better in the offseason, you hope. So it's a measuring stick game right off the bat. And if they're not playing at the same level as Liberty Bedford, that's a bad sign for their hopes in the playoffs, I think. Uh, okay. I mean, I don't know. I, preseason, I didn't know if this was necessarily going to be a win for Fort Defiance. So I don't know. Uh, if they I mean, lose this they, game on the road, I'm not going to be shocked. They finish. I mean, if lose, okay. But if they're not playing, like if it's a blowout, if they get rocked by Liberty Bedford, that's a bad sign. Yeah. Um, okay. I would agree. If they get blown out, okay. But I, I don't. I don't think I would. Tonight, I don't think I would pick Fort Defiance to win that game. Um. Yeah, I probably wouldn't either. But I, I'm more worried about how the game goes in general for them. Uh, talk to some Fort Defiance guys this weekend. Um, line play is going to be important for them. And I think, you know, all the all the skill position names, there's a lot back. You know, that Cole Sly is gone, but a lot of the other uh, notable names on offense are, are gone, are, are back. Bryce Owens is gone. But then you got the quarterback back. You got the running back back. You have all sorts of guys on defense back. And so that was what we kind of focus on. But these linemen, there's a lot of change over there. And I don't, I don't think they've been performing well early. So it's going to be interesting to see how they do when they get in the season. That's, 
that's crucial for Defiance offense. I mean, they got to find offense. Their defense was good enough last year to make the playoffs. Their offense wasn't. The offense got to get better. Well, that starts with the offensive line and creating holes for this good running back and creating time for this returning quarterback. So that's that's going to be the key for Fort this week. And, uh, you know, if the line's playing well, then they will be closing this game. If they're not, that's probably, probably the reason. Yeah, I mean, Liberty Bedford's a good team, too. So, I mean, let's not take anything away from them. Well, Fort wants to be a good team, and Fort barely missed the playoffs last year, so it, it's it's yeah, well, part of the game. Liberty didn't miss the playoffs last year, and then they beat Spotswood, who's a really good team. So I'm going to probably think Liberty's Who probably going to have something really to do. Tight the week before. Yeah, but I think Liberty's probably going to have something to say this year as well. That's fine. I just put Fort and Liberty in the same ballpark last year, and so if one if they're not in the same ballpark game one this year, I take that as a bad sign for whoever dropped off. Okay. Okay. All right, let's talk about NCAA football, and I'll just let you start ranting. Yeah, um, I didn't watch the game live. I caught the condensed version on YouTube that the ACC put up. I think it was about a half an hour. Uh, so I saw the touchdowns, the turnovers, and what have you. <laughs> um, this is Ryan Willis. This is why Ryan Willis can't be the solution to your offense. He's a good backup to have at a power five school. He's a good quarterback to have at a you know conference USA school. He's not a good quarterback to have starting at the ACC, especially when your offensive line is what it is at Virginia Tech, which by the way, isn't very good. So I look, we run the read option and we try to scramble with him. And it makes no sense to me. Um, you have scrambling quarterbacks on the bench that you don't play because who knows? Um, obviously, it's for his. They must not be as good his... as Willis, which is scary. And I think that's my point. Okay, well, if they're going to make mistakes, Leland, if they're going to make mistakes, they're sophomores. What's Ryan Willis's excuse other than he's not very good? I'm not even mad at Ryan Willis because it's not his fault he got thrown into this situation by an incompetent coach who doesn't. Who, you know what, Ryan, or uh, excuse me, Leland, I've had this conversation with my buddy Ryan, too. So, <laughs> But it, to me, it tells me that Coach Fuente had Andy Dalton fall into his lap, who was just an absolute athletic gift. And if he doesn't have that fall into his lap, he can't coach him up. Because he's just not smart enough to coach in the ACC. He might be able to cut it at Memphis, and that's fantastic. But we are not Memphis. We are Virginia Tech. We are in the ACC. And we're going to get left in the dust this year by, in the ACC, by the way, because what I saw against Boston College did not inspire confidence. I know there's some people out there who are saying, well, five turnovers, we only lost by seven points. Yeah, that's crap. Five turnovers is inexcusable. That's, yeah, and that's every inexcusable. single one of those interceptions was a bad decision by Ryan and Willis. Willis throwing interceptions is what Willis is. Like that is what he is. So you can't like act like there's going to be a time that we don't have those. Like he he's a gunslinger. He admits to it. What's the phrase they put up on the game? Uh, uh, scared money don't make money. Like he's taking chances, and that's part of him. So you can't just say, "Well, like we don't have all those turnovers. If we don't have turnovers, then we win that game." Well, no, we're gonna have turnovers. Now, one of the interceptions was an, a miraculous play by a defensive end, but those interceptions. Okay, well, it was a play that the are, defensive end read. Yeah, it was, but he also made a heck of an athletic play. I'm saying the ones in the end zone are inexcusable. You're putting the ball where it is never going to be complete. There's 
yeah, Brett Favre used to take chances. Yeah, but Brett Favre didn't throw to triple coverage. Brett Favre didn't throw to where the second guy from underneath is just obviously coming. Like, he, he read a little bit. He's taking chances over the top and, and fitting balls in uh, over the middle where there's just traffic, and not where there's blatant double coverage coming in or where you have a safety just sitting there waiting, baiting you to throw it there. It's just those ones in the end zone were terrible and disgusting. I my what I really walked away from is our quarterback room sucks. Like if if Willis won that job, our quarterback room sucks. We're doing a crappy job recruiting quarterbacks, and we got to find some better quarterbacks. And that doesn't get solved overnight. So it's just now, not- it gets solved when Fuente leaves. Because I got news for you. Uh, bad news bears. We're going to see ple- people entering the transfer portal again this offseason if Fuente stays. That guy, has he's going to lose the locker room again. You can already see it. He can't do his job at this level. He's not good enough. I, I am tired of the excuses. What was the, what was the real stupid thing the players wanted? The Turkey bacon? Thing. I don't. <laughs> give them fake bacon after that performance. No one on that field deserves actual food. On. No one on that field deserves actual bacon. It, they're not even good enough for turkey bacon, which, by the way, is also gross. But I am so... had some decent moments that I was happy about. It just it was in a, in a veil of negativity on the day. And we just... I never had faith we were actually going to come all the way back because we just... Didn't even look also, good doing good things. Also, if Ryan Willis is such a great senior leader and he's so freaking smart, why does he run out of bounds instead of throwing the ball away on the sideline when he's behind the line of scrimmage? Can someone explain that to me? Because he's a senior, so he should be beyond that. He's a redshirt senior at that. So I'm over it. I'm over Ryan Willis being in the game. If I'm going to see mistakes from a quarterback, please let it be a young sophomore who has potential to grow. Ryan Willis is what he is. He's not going to play in the NFL. He's not going to pl- the only way he's going to be in the NFL is if he buys a sideline VIP pass because he is not going to make a team. He's not going to make a scout team. And hey, Leland, I have another question for you. We had zero people get drafted at last year. Point to me on the field Saturday, which guy is going to get drafted from this team? Because I think you're about to enter year two of it. And then you're a joke. Justin Fuente, which, by the way, let's go ahead and foreshadow onto UVA, who, by the way, went out and took care of business at Pitt and destroyed them. We are worse than UVA. The streak is going to end this year, and this is why the patient, let's see what happens with Fuente approach, can come back and bite you. Because when you let someone incompetent touch your program for too long, it kills it. He lost the locker room last year. That should have sent off multiple red flags that should have lost him his job. Because when you lose that many players, it's not bad apples. It's not kids can't cut it here. It's Justin Fuente has a problem evaluating talent. He can't win the locker room. He can't keep the locker room. He lost it. And part of it is because of his play calling and his offense and his just general attitude with this team, which I'm over it. I am tired of watching Virginia Tech go out there and look like Wake Forest. I, it's, I'm not here for that. I am here to watch Virginia Tech be the program they used to be. And I don't want to hear, you know, oh, if you want winning, go root for Alabama. Well, if you want losing, go root for Wake Forest, you chump. I am so sick of these fans that are afraid to call a spade a spade. Justin Fuente is a garbage football coach. I'm not going to blame Whip Babcock, because when he made the hire, I was like, you know what? That might actually be a good hire. And year one looked great. Year two, okay, you know, year one was great. Year two was a little down, but that's fine. You're not going to win 10 games every year. 
year three, I have problems. And here at the start of year four, blow it up because Justin Fuente is not the answer. He is never going to be the answer at Virginia Tech. He can't win here because he's totally incapable of it. And Bronco Mendenhall is a better coach than he is, and he's going to prove it when he steps on the field at the end of the year and absolutely trashes us. Yeah, I mean, it's a bad week for me to argue with you because there was nothing what I saw in last week's game. to. And here's the other thing, Leland. Even if Ryan Willis is proven to be the worst quarterback and he just goes out there and turns it over five times a game, or four times a game, I guess the fifth turnover was technically on a muffed punt, which, by the way, I'm so glad we aren't able to recruit anybody who can catch a punt. But he's never going to admit it because you know what Frank Beamer did? And I, by the way, you and I have talked about this. Frank needed to leave probably a year or two earlier than he did. Uh, very happy of what Frank did when he built this program. But one thing that Frank Beamer also never did. Now, he would tell me how great, you know, these six and six pit teams and Georgia Tech teams were that would infuriate well, me. They'll get after you, yeah. But then he would also say, you know, the mistakes are on him. He didn't have the team prepared. I don't hear Justin Fuente say that. I don't think Justin Fuente thinks he's capable of making mistakes. And I listened to Tech Talk before the season started because, like an idiot, I got excited for it. And. I hear him, you know, talking about the players impersonating some of the coaches and, uh, you know, laser asks him, you know, oh, did it, does anybody do an impersonation of you? And he goes, no, not really. And, and to me, they didn't pick up on it. But to me, it, I picked up on they don't like you enough to impersonate you. They don't care about you. You know why they impersonate Bud and all these other position coaches? Because they have a relationship and they like those coaches. They don't like you because you aren't good enough to be here coming up for tech they got the two uh games that they should win oh, if they're not up there. by three scores at halftime you fire justin fuente <laughs> you don't i mean you say this all the time like fire him at halftime like with babcock isn't gonna fire him during the season this year he's not gonna come fire him at halftime but old dominion oh. this week better be a win i know we didn't win it last year but we better be winning and then you have Furman. but no matter what happens in these next two games we can win by 60 in both of them I, it doesn't change my point of view i'm not going to come on here and be positive the next two weeks no they, because who they, cares they, yeah these aren't actual measuring sticks no if we're not as good as boston college and i i saw that well, we go ahead and add the next game and duke doesn't matter either I mean, the I, only I, thing that I, happens I, is we don't I, look good against Duke. That's the only thing that hope, can happen. I would hope Duke is just a, a certain win, but dang, man, I don't right now. I'm not confident in that. Hey, They're I, well coached. Can I just be honest? <laughs> Whit Babcock could have been a little less supportive. I, I don't know. I, I get you're not going to throw your coach under the bus before the season even starts, but him saying uh, Justin Fuente absolutely isn't on the hot seat. I did not like that. You could say last year was a disappointment and we think that Justin Fuente can turn it around. But to say he's absolutely not on the hot seat just sends the message like, yeah, we don't care about winning. I mean, the switch for a hot seat can get turned on pretty quick. I mean, it can at places. Virginia Tech in the past, it hasn't. But Wit Wit is newer to Virginia Tech. I don't think we've faced a lot of poor performing coaches in our big sports. You know, Buzz was doing a good job. Um I, you know, I, I, I don't think Wit has been proven to see how, how slow he moves on something like that. I, 
you lose some of these games that I'm afraid we're going to lose, I, it gets turned on. And, and the season and is the what, North Carolina game, by the way. Yeah, I'm realizing that. If you lose to North Carolina, you're not going to a bowl. Yeah, dude, I look at the schedule after the game the other night, and in a bad mood, I I didn't see how we're going to make a bowl game. And and I you know the whole thing like lose four games if one of them deviate like. I don't think we're making a bowl game. I don't think when we go into the bowl game that we could win it and still make a bowl game. Like, I think we're just going to be that bad. Like I, I, we look terrible. We look terrible. We turn the ball over like crazy. I don't, I don't. Which is another thing. Look, Ryan Willis is what he is. And again, I'm not saying that you bring in Hendon hooker or Quincy Patterson and they never turn the ball over. They're going to make mistakes. They're young, but they can also run, which we try to run the read option a lot for some reason with a quarterback who can't run again, baffling to me but at least when those hey you know who was good when they ran the read option and scored a touchdown boston college because their quarterback actually has this thing called speed you know what he also didn't do make stupid mistakes yeah their their interception was thrown by a wide receiver not him yeah yeah all right uva a pit i really actually didn't watch it i wasn't in the mood for that (laughs) I just, I was in a bad mood about what Tech did. I had housework to take care of. So I actually didn't watch any football the rest of the night. I watched a little bit of Auburn, Oregon when I was laying down. Um, but hey, UVA, I had, I was full of myself last week and I thought they'd go up to pit and lose and they didn't do that. They came out, it was tight early and they took off from there and, and really showed that they were a good team. And uh, that's what you got to do. And in the ACC, winning on the road. That's a huge, that's a huge thing. So, um, it, you know, it doesn't guarantee anything, but that's a big win to get up at, at Pittsburgh. And, uh, I think can give you some momentum going forward. So, you know, good for them. I'm not happy about it, but good for them. Yeah. They're gonna, they're gonna be up there battling for the coastal. They're gonna, it's them or Miami. It's not Virginia tech is out of the conversation. Virginia tech better hope they make a bowl game, which by the way, can we be honest? If Justin Fuente doesn't make a bowl game, he has no business putting on anything Virginia Tech. I, I Right now, I would rather have Mike Young, who we just hired to be the basketball coach, also <laughs> coach the football team. I, I have zero confidence in Justin Fuente from here on out. And like you said, the next three weeks for me, you said two, but the next three weeks for me mean absolutely nothing. The Duke game means absolutely nothing. Yeah, you want to talk about another overrated coach, David Cutcliffe. The way I phrased it, I think that is fair to say because I, if we beat Duke well, it's not going to change my mind. But I also have a little bit of worry that Duke might somehow just beat us. So, uh, well, if that happens, you're not going to a bowl either, and you can fire Justin Fuente then. Yeah. Uh, High school volleyball. I want to jump back to the to the high school. Um, Fort Defiance. That's the team I want to talk about. You know, everybody got going. There was good wins here and there, but Fort Defiance went to that Fluvanna tournament last weekend. Uh, just the, you know, just two days ran ago, the table, didn't they, they? they ran the table five and oh, they beat Stanton, Western Almaro, William Monroe and Fluvanna. That's a great, great. Uh, and they beat Liberty Bedford. So that's a great, um, a great weekend, a great tournament. Those are some good teams. You know, Stanton is in district with them. Western Albemarle, uh, Fluvanna, I believe, and Liberty Bedford are all in three C. So that's a great way to come out of that and win. And I mean, they won big in that third game uh 15 to 3 you know they really took off so they were playing their best at the end of the day and so i think fort defiance is that team in the area to kind of watch now 3c gets hard and that's what you always come back to they lost to rockbridge earlier in the week who's 3c and it's just i think that's just a a hurdle that they're going to maybe have to find a way to get over this year 
but they're going to face Rockbridge early and then be able to get going the rest of the year. And then maybe they see him in the playoffs. I think, uh, I think Fort Defiance is kind of the team to watch here because I'm really rooting for them to kind of get over that gap, you know, get over that hump of, of Rockbridge, but even go out of three C. I think that'd be great for them. Yeah. It was nice to see, uh, like you said, Fort go down there and win that tournament uh, and just start the season off so well. Um, I know Wilson, I believe won their first match of the year as well. Um, so it's nice to see Fort and Wilson get off to good starts. And I think Riverhead's actually, uh, got off to a pretty good start this year as well. Yeah. So it'll be fun to watch as they go forward. Uh, let's get to NFL picks. Are we not going to talk about uh, next week in college football, the two games you should watch? We're going to watch, we're going to talk about that later, but, um, let's talk about NFL picks and talk about make pickums because that starts up uh this week i believe on mm-hmm. thursday yep. and uh then everybody gets going on sunday so it's time to make our picks last year you were absolutely correct on your super bowl prediction so uh everybody make sure you're tuning in for the next 10 minutes so you don't miss what who joe picks and go make your bets but let's start in the afc east and we both got the patriots yes um that's obvious. No need to talk about that much. No one's going to touch them. But AFC North, I have my Steelers. I think they rebound well with getting some of the drama out of the way. And I think also that's a division that no one's just going to take off in. So I think they'll be involved, and and I'm biased, and I like the Steelers, so I'll pick the Steelers. Nothing would make me happier than to see the Cleveland Browns fall on their face, but I don't know. I'm just seeing so many good things right now in Cleveland. I would feel foolish if I didn't pick them and they won the division. So uh, I do think I got, Cleveland I finally puts it together. Card, so I'm not yeah. dismissing the Browns, but uh, I am dismissing the Ravens. So. Well, okay. Two of us. <laughs> when AFC when the South. biggest highlight of the Ravens preseason is a touchdown that gets called back for holding. Um, yeah, I'm not excited. AFC South. I had to change my, my pick the other day. I, I believe I had the Colts written down. And I changed that uh, right as soon as they said Luck was retiring, and I saw that it was a real thing. And I went to with the Texans. I think they've won that division the last two years, I believe, or I think the Texans have been playoff team the last two years. So I'm going with the Texans uh, defense. I, they got enough pieces there. I'm going Texans. I think the Jags are going to get back and win this division. I also thought the Colts would win until Andrew Luck retired, but I, I think with uh, Nick Foles being added to the Jags. Um, He's a slightly more competent quarterback. Well, he's not slightly. He is more competent than Blake Bortles. Uh, So I think that will help their offense. As long as their defense doesn't take a giant step backwards, I like their offense better than Houston's offense. So I think they will be able to win that division uh, and get to the playoffs. Out in the AFC West, we both have two teams coming out of the AFC West to the playoffs. Uh, we both have Chiefs and Chargers go into the playoffs, but I have the Chiefs winning the division, the Chargers coming in on the wild card. You have a flip-flop where you have the Chargers winning the division and the Chiefs coming in. Now, is that are you picking the Chiefs uh, or the uh, Chargers there? Um, see, I'm hoping Tyrod sees the field at some point, so that, uh, <laughs> that's not, probably not good for their playoff uh, with Tyrod being out there. But uh, what are you thinking about the Chargers? Why, why did you put them ahead of the Chiefs? Because Tyrod's not going to play. But no, I the Chargers actually beat the Chiefs twice last year. Uh, I think they're going to be able to win that division. Uh, I just don't think the Chiefs are going to be able to do as good as they did last year. I I think Patrick Mahomes is not going to surprise anybody this year. 
So I think his numbers probably take, you know, go back a little bit. I'm not saying he's going to be terrible. I still think they're a playoff team and they're going to be a very good football team. But I think the Chargers are going to be a little bit better and they're going to be able to win that division this year, uh, a, a division they were close to winning last year. They're going to win it this year and um, get into the playoffs. That's I just think, you know, if it's a team that could beat them twice last year, I just have a really hard time seeing the Chiefs do what they did last year again this year. The uh, Chiefs, I think a lot of, I think Andy Reid needs to not mess around and have a monkey on his back like he did with Philadelphia where he just never could win that Super Bowl. It took him a while to even get to the Super Bowl, a lot of winning years. Um, I think they're going to be really good this year, and uh, we're going to talk about them more in a minute because of that. Uh, Let's go over to the NFC. Uh, We both have the Eagles because I think the Eagles are just the least likely to be a dumpster fire in that division. I think every three other of those teams, you could make an argument on how they're going to be a dumpster fire. Uh, they're either going to be really good or really bad. Yeah. 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 They have the potential to be in a, a, like Dallas. They could be good. They could be solid, but they also could just fall on their face immediately and be nothing. Uh, the Redskins are, I mean, I think their dumpster is always a little bit on fire. Even when they're good, there's still something brewing back there. And then the Giants just aren't good. And, and, and they're, they're not in that place. You know, they're talking about how to send Eli off and get this next guy in, uh, the kid from Duke Jones. But, um, yeah, I think the Eagles is just like your safest bet in that division. I agree. And that's why I picked him. I mean, I wanted to pick Dallas, but I don't know how long Zeke's going to be out. So I, I do think Zeke is not a Le'Veon Bell situation. He's not going to sit out the whole year, but I still don't love the idea that he's not under contract if I'm a Cowboys fan. And I, I don't, I think that's going to cost him. I think he's going to sit out enough games to cost him the division. That will be interesting. All right. Going down to NFC. Uh, we're going up north. to the North. I got the bears. I'm big on the bears this year. And uh, I just think they have a night, a lot of right pieces in the, of the puzzle in the place. I guess kicker is not one of them, but uh, I think they do uh, have a good season this year. I think Trubisky gets a, a bit better. And in that division, I, I think they, they can pick up a lot of wins from Detroit. Um, I don't think green Bay is going to be that great this year. So I think they're going to pick up some wins there. And I got the bears. See, I do think Green Bay is going to be pretty good, and I think they're going to win that division. I think Chicago takes a step back. Again, like the Chiefs, I still think they're in the playoffs. I don't think the Bears are a bad team. I just don't think we're going to – and where you have Mitch Trubisky going forward, that's another guy I have going back slightly. And that defense is just not going to be able to force the amount of turnovers that they did last year. It's just an anomaly when defenses force multiple turnovers like that multiple years. So – I think you're going to see the Bears go back a little bit, and I have the Packers with a new coach, uh, new energy, taking over and winning that division. In the South, we both got the Saints, but um, you know that's a division that used to every year, like whoever finished last would jump up to first. It was that cycle like that, and that's a division that usually one team doesn't dominate year after year. But I think the Saints are too good to count out, so I'm, I'm definitely taking the Saints. I would be interested to see if the Falcons are able to get a little bit better this year and maybe some surprise people slide into one of these playoff spots, but I don't think they win the division. I I do think I agree with you that the Saints win it. Yeah, I have the Saints as well. And, you know, like you, when I got to this division, I was like, okay, well, the Saints won it last year, so I can't pick them. And then I looked at the rest of the division. I was like, well, Cam Newton's hurt. Uh, Atlanta is what they are. I'm not sure yet. And I'm never going to pick Tampa Bay to win that division. So... I guess yeah. the Saints. Um, yeah. 
And, and, you know, Drew Brees is really good. And that defense is, uh, their defense is the one that defies the odds. They usually do force a lot of turnovers. Uh, they're the one defense that's been able to do that multiple years over a pretty long time span now. So I think you're going to see the saints win that division. And I have them doing pretty well this year. All right, going to the next division there. Who do you got in the uh, in the West? Uh, we both have the Rams. Um, you're finally on board with the Rams. I'm glad you're here. Uh, they're going to win that division. That division's not great, uh, at, but I think they'll be good enough to win it. See, I have the Rams winning it, but I do have the 49ers also in that division coming wow. out of it. I think the I think if they can keep uh, their quarterback healthy there, I think he's pretty good, and I I. I just have them coming out of there. I, it was it was kind of hard for me to pick the two wild card teams out of the NFC, and I, I landed on the 49ers. See, we're in the AFC. We have five of the six teams in the playoffs the same. In the NFC, we do not. Um, yeah, we, we got like three. Yeah, uh, I have the Cowboys as a wild card, and I have the Bears as a wild card. I said I think Zeke sits out enough to cost the Cowboys the division. I don't think he sits out enough to cost them a playoff spot because I, I think Jerry eventually will back down if the season starts off not great and pay him uh, because that window is closing. Uh, but I think the Bears also, despite not being as good as they were last year, they're good enough to be in the playoffs. I think Kirk Cousins is overrated. I think he's the most overrated quarterback in the NFL. So I don't see the Vikings making the playoffs. And I don't think Jimmy G is going to be getting the 49ers in either. Well, that's who I went with. The Vikings, I I think they slide in. And it was just kind of lack of trying to pick anybody else. I'm always probably more negative on the Cowboys. I'll acknowledge that the Cowboys – could be pretty pretty darn good this year. They could be a playoff team, and I'm probably just being biased against them. But uh, I got the Vikings in there. All right, so everybody get your betting papers out. Call your bookie. Get ready to tell them. Joe, who do you have beaten who in the Super Bowl? This year, the New England Patriots will win the Super Bowl again, and this time it'll be beating the New Orleans Saints. All right, so go bet on it right now. The one not to bet on because it's who I'm picking. I have the Chiefs beating the Bears. It's just the two teams that I'm kind of positive on and I think making the leap. And I also, I just, especially in the NFL, don't like to pick the Patriots. I don't like to pick the usual suspects. And so I got the Chiefs beating the Bears. I didn't go homer and pick my Steelers. I don't think they have that level of uh, win in them. But, hey, I'm hoping so. Uh, But the Chiefs, um, and they're fun to watch. And I like Andy Reid. And then the Bears, I think I think it's just the two teams kind of making the jump this year. I think at one point last year, we're talking about the Chiefs and the uh, – and well, the Chiefs not really making as big a jump. They were good last year. But last year, it was like Chiefs and Rams uh, were on the big jump, uh, everybody getting everybody's attention. And then they're both playoff, you know, in that, in that final weekend. Um, so I, I think the Bears can do that, and I think the Chiefs will be back there and win the Super Bowl. I think it's just interesting. I, I just noticed it's the two teams that you think are making a jump are the two things – two teams that I think are taking a step back and not winning their divisions, <laughs> but uh, we'll, we'll see. I mean, it gives you a chance to be right. So well, that's very us. Anything in the baseball world we need to spend some time on. Yeah. Justin Verlander threw his third, no header. That's pretty Oh cool. yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. And his brother who played for the Stan Braves, he was back at Detroit in a suite watching the Detroit game. And he ended up watching the TV, watching his brother throw a no hitter the whole time. And that was the first time Ben Verlander had been back to Detroit since his brother played there. So within him, there was some ironic stuff going on. Uh, but it was cool that uh, Verlander uh, pitched the no-header against the Blue Jays. And uh, 
he's an all timer and he comes from Virginia. He's from Goochland. And it's, it's cool that somebody that good, somebody that all time pitcher status is uh, from close to us. And I'm a big Verlander hand. Always have been. Yeah. I, I like Verlander getting his third no hitter. It was pretty cool to see. And, um, you know, we'll see how the Houston Astros do. I think they're going to be a team. We'll talk about that as the playoffs start here in a couple of weeks, but uh, I do think the Houston Astros will be a factor there. And I think that's going to be because of Verlander. Yeah. I hope, I kind of hope so. I, it's not like my Pittsburgh uh, pirates are going to do anything relevant. So, all right, let's get out of here and let's get to Barber. And we have Mike Barber on from the Richmond Times-Dispatch with us this week. Uh, talk a little UVA and Virginia Tech. And let's start with UVA. Leland and I already talked about Virginia Tech pretty in-depth. We'll I'll talk to you some more and get your perspective on it But since you were at the game. But UVA, um, look, they were picked to win the Coastal. Leland and I doubted them. But they came out and made a pretty strong statement against Pitt on opening weekend. Yeah, they absolutely did. And, you know, it's funny. I I understand why they're picked to win the Coastal. I think they're very good this year. I think they're certainly capable of that. But there was a part of me that looked at the beginning of the schedule with Pitt on the road where they had never won um, at Heinz Field and had never beaten Pat Narduzzi. And I looked at uh, Florida State, who I thought was going to be a much better Florida State team, which maybe that was wrong. Uh, And then Notre Dame, uh, who certainly is expected to have a big season. And I thought, honestly, there could be some things that break the wrong way and Virginia could open this year two and three, and and all that talk would go away. I thought Pitt was a huge game for them, so I think it was maybe one of the most important opening games in the league and huge for them that they were able to find a way to win it. Talk about, you know, what pieces went right. You know, talk about what in that game really stood out to you as um, maybe, maybe surprised you on what worked better than you maybe would have predicted. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, the, the number one thing that worked well probably worked a little better than maybe I thought it would, but it's what they talked about all offseason. It was improving the run defense. All offseason, they said, hey, we've got to get better against the run. The goal is limit teams to 3.5 yards per carry or less. That was the talking point for really spring, the summer workouts. The season. Um, and then you think about Pittsburgh, and I know they have a new offense coordinator, but that's a team that likes to – play with a big offensive line, play physical and run the football. And uh, I thought it would, I thought it would take a few weeks before we saw uh, an improvement in Virginia's running defense. And I thought that was the biggest thing. They played really well against the run. I think that defensive line and the depth. um, I talked to Mandy Alonzo today, one of the defensive ends. And he said, you know, you can feel it in the game. The fact that you don't have to play 60 or 70 snaps now, that there's a guy that you can rotate with and, you know, that's, that's the way it works in major college football, and it hasn't worked that way at UVA in a long time. Guys have been playing too much, and it makes them less effective. So um, I think it starts right there with the run defense and the depth on the defensive line. And then the other thing was, you know, Alameda Zacchaeus is gone. How are you going to pass the ball? Where, where are those receptions going to come from? And they talked in the offseason about, hey, it's going to be a different offense. We're going to spread the football around. We're going to get a lot more people involved, and – Uh, That's exactly what they did. I I think eight or nine different guys caught a pass against Pittsburgh. So, um, you know, Joe Reed had a big game. I think Joe Reed uh, is underappreciated and has a chance to be uh, a little bit like Alameda Zacchaeus. But I also think they followed through on on their promise to 
spread the ball around, and, and that was another good sign. Looking forward, they got William and Mary on the Friday night, quick week. But I, I'd say, I mean, everyone in the ACC has kind of gotten used to that, you know, one day quicker week. It doesn't seem to hold anybody up. But, uh, you know, William and Mary, are, are they any better than usual, or are they? is this just going to be a roll-in for the Cavaliers? Well, I think the hard thing right now is you don't exactly know what William Mary is. Um, they, they opened the game with four different quarterbacks. <laughs> uh, one of them oh, wow. was really mobile. Well, they opened the game, I think they were trying to, you know, be cute a little bit. And they hadn't named a starter, and all four quarterbacks were on the field. Uh, and the first play of the game for them against, um, I can't recall who they opened with, but the first play of the game, they uh, ran a play where the first quarterback took the ball, pitched to the second quarterback, and threw downfield to, I believe, a wide receiver. Um, you know, that was cute and a trick play and a fun way to kind of answer some of the questions about the, the quarterback competition. But um, you know, in this game, I, I think it's going to be less about being cute and uh, more about what works and, and running a quarterback. And, and that presents a whole lot of challenges and changes some things. And, um, so I think if William & Mary is going to make some ground uh, against UVA, that's where it happens. They come in 1-0, having beat Lafayette 30-17 to uh, while being cute. Uh, but, yeah, against UVA, being, being cute is not going to win. Uh, they're they're going to have to play real football. So, uh yeah, I mean, after seeing what UVA did against Pitt, I wouldn't expect any uh, slip-ups from there. Yeah, and, and I think that, you know, if you're UVA, you're in a good spot in that I think this team isn't overconfident, right? They, nobody's saying they're going to run away with Coastal. Nobody's saying they're going to beat Clemson. Nobody's saying they're going to be in the uh, college football playoff. They're just saying that in a bad division, we think UVA's got a real good chance. And so I think it allows the team to still go with that underdog mentality, still go with that you know, earn, not given, and, and we're still working, and all those cliches that they like to throw out that, to UVA's credit, they do seem as a program to honestly live by. Mike, I want to touch on something you touched on there, you know, a bad division in the Coastal. I mean, I think this weekend kind of maybe highlighted just how bad this division might be. Um, Miami didn't play, obviously, after week zero against Florida being moved up to week zero, but to me, after this week, it really does seem like it's just a two-team race between Miami and UVA, and we'll see what happens when they play. But uh, to me, I think everybody else played themselves out of this. I wasn't—I know North Carolina got the win, but I wasn't overtly impressed with their win against South Carolina. And everybody else in the Coastal, to me, looked like I'm not sure they should be playing college football this year. I think that's fair. Now, I think the division is really bad. I was unimpressed with the division, but I don't think that there's that huge a gap. Um, because if you look at Miami, when Miami's right, I think they are a very good football team, but Miami can go sideways in a hurry. And we've seen them do it year after year after year. So, you know, Miami's not a team that's going to run away with the Coastal. And I think Virginia, even though they are much improved and it is a very good team, they're not going to run away with a division yet. They're not there. They're not to that point. Um, they're still a team that can lose to a team like Carolina or Duke, who, yeah, I, I wasn't blown away by Duke. I wasn't blown away by Carolina, Georgia Tech, you know, new coach, all the adjustments. But on any Saturday, I think there are teams in the Coastal that can beat each other up simply because there's not that much separation between them all. Fuente, um, I already let on with my question. <laughs> he there. just I, he can't talk about he can't talk about Virginia Tech without just starting like Fuente. Like he says it like a curse word. I, I just <laughs> Yeah. I want to get your opinion on this now. Um what did you make of Saturday? I, I'm at the point now where I 
he already, when that SI article came out, uh, to me, that just set off a lot of red flags that, hey, this is probably not going to go well. Um, when you lose that many players, I don't think it's bad apples. I think it's, you know, someone not being able to control the locker room and sets up for a disaster if you don't win week one, which, spoiler alert, we didn't. I still am, you're never going to convince me that Ryan Willis is the best option for this offense. Uh, and four turnovers says I'm right uh, on week one. So, what is your takeaway as more of a neutral observer as compared to <laughs> me or Leland? A fair, a fair explanation, but I, I don't completely disagree with you. I'll tell you this. It was very discouraging. Um, if you're a tech fan or, or just somebody who's looking at where the program is, it was a very discouraging loss, not because it's a loss. You know, it, I think this team is very much an ACC coastal team. It's one of those teams that when they play well, you're going to be like, Hey, I feel pretty good about us. And when you play badly, you're going to be like, wow, our, our ceiling is decent, but our basement is rough. Um, I just think that's the land they live in right now. There's when are we going to play good though? Is that, that's like one thing that you just said that when Georgia is that going to happen? Georgia Tech. It's, it's, it's been a little while. It's, now, I don't, I, I did, you know, think about the Marshall game last year. It seemed to be a, a good point for this team. And, you know, then it went sideways after that in the bowl. But the, the thing that bothered me at Boston College was the problems that Tech had were the problems that they were supposed to be fixing. They had more yep. coverages in the secondary with the corners, yep. and that was supposed to be fixed this year. They had a lot of trouble generating pass rush and getting pressure with the D-line. That was supposed to be something that you know they were going to work on and, and fix. So it's not like – they got on the boat, they had plugged the leaks, and a new leak sprung, although I'll get to that in a second with Willis. <laughs> the, the biggest problem was Denver with your corners, um, and you didn't get a pass rush to help to help your corners a little bit. And to me, it's discouraging when the problems that we questioned all offseason, you come out game one and are like, yeah, we didn't solve them. Uh, and then to Willis, you know, the interceptions, he was picked to be the starting quarterback because he's great with ball security. And, oh, boy, Ugh. he was not great with ball security. And that that is a red flag because if that was your reason for picking him, well, he didn't really follow through on that, did he? Well, I, I guess that's where I'm most frustra- frustrated because, to me, that was a slap in the face saying he takes care of the ball because I was like, well, I guess I just watched a different guy named Ryan Willis play last year because I didn't think he did that all that great last year. And he comes out week one, and it's like I told Leland, I'm not saying Hendon Hooker or Quincy Patterson aren't going to make mistakes. They're young. That's their excuse. Ryan Willis is a fifth-year senior. What's his? To me, he is what he is. He has no future in the NFL, so we don't owe him anything. Uh, He's not going to help this offense get better. I'd rather see, when we're running the read option with a slow quarterback, I'd rather see somebody that can actually run the read option and be a threat do it. Yeah, and I, I understand that. I, I'm a little bit higher on Ryan probably than you are. Um, well, that's that's a low bar. To your point, I would have liked when things were going not well, plus you've had all offseason to get ready for this game. I was really surprised that there yeah. wasn't a package for Hendon Hooker where he comes in, and even if things are going well, just, mm-hmm. hey, give him a different look. Give him a spark. You, you have bullets in your gun that you didn't fire, and I don't get that. That's the part that bothered me. I'm not in the you need to bench Ryan Willis week one. You know, they worked all spring and all offseason. They watched all three kids play. Uh, you know, these guys want to win. Justin Fuente knows that if this year goes badly, he's going to be on the hot seat next year. So he wants to win. 
he didn't pick Ryan Willis, you know, to lose games. He believes Ryan has the best chance to win. I'm inclined to trust him, but I'm also inclined to question why wasn't anybody ready to take a series and try to jumpstart things, um, you know, when, when it wasn't going well. And when, you know, the ball security, we always see Justin pull running backs out, right? If they fumble, he pulls them out of the game or he pulls them for a series. And where was the, the series to say, Ryan, hey, I don't know what you're doing, but you need to calm down and be the guy who protects the football or your season's going to be on the sideline next to me. And then you let Hendon go in. And I wasn't saying turn the game over, turn a series over to Hendon, let Ryan settle down and take it from there. That was the one thing coaching wise that it bothered me. They didn't try. Well, and that Joe, Joe had made a good point earlier. We talked that Fuente seems like he doesn't make the wrong decision. Like he acts like he can't make a wrong decision. Like he he's always right. And I think it's just bullheadedness. I, I mean, I, and I agree with Joe's point. Like, he just, I picked this guy as the starter. I'm going to leave him in. And I mean, I like your idea of having to bring in someone else in just to refresh the system and kind of see you'll be standing here if you're not playing. But as long as that is a series or something, not not just a play or two, I, I hate to bring a backup guy in for one or two plays and do some fancy quarterback run that everybody sees coming. But yeah. I like that idea. And I mean, I think if we go into these next two winnable games and anything negative is happening early, you've got to do that immediately. Yeah. And I would hope that, you know, one, I believe that Tech was not as bad as we saw against Boston College. I, I think ODU is a little down this year. There's going to be a lot of emotion in that game. I could see the first quarter being a little sloppy, but I think mm-hmm. Tech will be fine in this game. Uh, and I hope that part of being fine is Ryan Willis settling in and protecting the football and doing the things he's supposed to do. But I would hope that there's some Hendon Hooker time, regardless of how Ryan's playing. And I don't mean in the fourth quarter. I just think that's something you want to put on film. And I think it's something you want to put in Ryan's head that, look, we, we trust Hendon and we can give him a series, assuming that what I just said is true. If they don't trust Hendon and they don't think he can take a series, then they're in a really bad spot. Um, what are you, what's your, What's your takeaway of ODU putting the, the transfers as captains? <laughs> um, it's probably a little gamesmanship, but I'll tell you, <laughs> and I don't know if you saw my story today, but I interviewed those kids, I interviewed their coaches, I interviewed their teammates, um, and whatever the perception of those kids, Chris Cunningham, Eric Kuma, whatever the perception was at Tech or with Tech fans, uh, they're loved at ODU. They're seen as leaders, as the guys, uh, some of the most important guys in the locker room. It's a very young receiving core, and the coaches told me, man, those young kids sit around Eric Kuma and listen to him explain how to get off press coverage or uh, you know, how to run this route the right way, how to stick your foot in the ground and make a good cut. And, uh, they've been great teammates and are really popular. So I think it was a way of not you know, ignoring the elephant in the room. It's going to be very emotional for everybody. It's going to be very emotional for Eric and Chris. It's going to be very emotional for the entire Virginia Tech team who lost to ODU a year ago. I think that was Bobby's way of Bobby Wilder's way of embracing it on his side and maybe a little gamesmanship to show tech like, Hey, here, here are your guys right out front. Well, so I want to, a few things, um, start with what you just talked about with the guys that leaving Virginia tech and whatever their reputation is there, they're loved at ODU. Uh, I think that goes back to what Leland and I've tried to explain to Leland before this year, on, you know, I, I have a problem with Fuente's my way or the highway attitude, especially with how the team has been performing recently, because I don't think he's earned it. And I think when you your team is what it is right now and you have that attitude, you just come off, as Leland said, bullheaded and stubborn. 
And I, look, I, I'm tired of Guma had good games and Hazleton didn't play in week one, which what a time to have a hamstring injury, I guess, before uh, just out, all of a sudden out of the blue before kickoff week one. But um, uh, these are two guys that even when they had good games last year, we would hear about how bad they are at practice. And I, you know, I joke with Leland, and I, I'm kind of serious. I, if they practice bad and come out and do that on Saturdays and they're not listening to what he has to say, then I hope everyone doesn't listen to what he has to say because those are the only two guys that looked good <laughs> last year. So, yeah, I mean, I get it. They were productive players. And, you know, it's interesting. So much of college football, in a sense, is coaches being bullheaded, right? Like Bronco comes in at UVA and he's it's my way or the highway. And he's got all these weird you've got to earn your jersey number. Um, but for whatever reason, and, and they won two games, man, like Bronco's first year, they won two games. And guys still bought in and embraced it. So I think that's the concern is it almost feels like with Justin, he came in and he, and he said, this is the way we're doing things. And guys looked around the locker room and said, we have a really good team. And they said, let's give it a try. And then they won 10 games and they won the division and they played Clemson and the Iowa game, and everything was great. And then when things started to go downhill, people said, you know, I never really liked the way he was doing it. And if we're not going to be great, why am I here? Uh, so to your point, yeah, that's that's a red flag that, you know, maybe there were some guys that would have walked in year one, but they didn't want to walk away from a team that they knew had that kind of potential. And I got a, a couple more for you here. I, like Leland said, I don't think we're going to see Hendon Hooker unless something happens to Ryan Willis. And I, I guess my evidence would be Josh Jackson last year was named the starter. And in, when he left the ODU game, we were getting killed by ODU and as much as I don't like Ryan Willis, he did bring us back in that game. So to me, I was like, well, I th- this kind of proves that Josh Jackson is not your best quarterback. Um, so I guess that's my concern there with Hooker. And, I, you know, if if Ryan Willis, if they think he's the best quarterback, I guess this goes to my point of I don't think he knows what that is. Um, but I think my- we just need to we need to schedule Howard. That's all that got proven to me this weekend with Josh Jackson talk. We need to schedule that team. But. Uh, my my bigger point, Mike, and you touched on, you don't think Fuente, you think he'll be on the hot seat next year if this year doesn't go well. It, I think if Virginia Tech doesn't make a bowl game, we could see him leave at the end of this year. Do you think that's a possibility, or do you think this year, no matter what, he's safe? I think this year he's safe no matter what, with an asterisk of if he loses the locker room again after saying yeah. that the problem are solved that's different i don't expect that to happen i think that the guys that are here are justin's guys now and um i think the last of the few saw dewan ellis leave i think there might be another one like that but i think for the most part he's got his team if he then goes and loses the guys who are rah-rah justin fuente then you've got a problem and and i think something could happen i don't see that happening uh even if they struggle i think he goes into next year clearly on the hottest seat Maybe in the country. I mean, we'll have to see some other jobs how they shake out. But um, if he, yeah, yeah Florida to... State might might say tell you to hold my beer real quick. Yeah. yeah. Although Willie <laughs> may not make it, Willie may not yeah. make it through this year. I think this year's already heat up. So Justin, you know, Justin, and it's not what's well, a good year. It's not seven and six, and you went to a mediocre bowl. Like I don't think that's going to take the pressure off him. Um, you know, they need to win eight games this year. And I think that's a very tall order after what I saw against Boston College. Um, and if they don't, then next year, yeah, it's an absolute hot seat, and you'll have to deliver. 
All right. Well, we usually get out of here with uh, what you've been binge watching. Do you have anything new? Was there anything over the summer that uh, that you caught up on that we can well, we, we should be watching? Yeah. Well, we, you may have seen we rewatched the newsroom, which is one of my favorites. Nice. I love that show. Yeah. So we rewatched that, uh, and I just started last night Deadwood, which I heard is very oh, good. So um, good. The first episode seemed good, so that's going to be my my next one uh, for me and. Uh, when I'm on the treadmill and I need something shorter and, and less that I have to pay attention, I'm watching uh, Arrested Development again. Nice. That's a great one, too. Yeah, there's a whole lot. Of all all good stuff. recommendations. Awesome. A lot of well, television. Well, I, I don't sleep anymore with a newborn baby. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, so we appreciate you being on again and on, uh, on quick call. Uh, we did that to you again here, but we'll have you on later this season. Uh, hopefully some more positive things in Blacksburg and, um, and whether Joe and I like it or not, maybe still some positive things for you to talk about. There you go. It's always good <laughs> to talk to you guys. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you, man. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and now it is time for the D Block. Again, we want to thank Mike Barber for coming on and talking to us. He's uh, always good. Yeah, he is. Cool. Yeah, he's and I, you know, like we said uh, at the one year anniversary, sometimes it's not with the best uh, heads up. So we're always appreciative <laughs> of those guys when they agree to come on and talk to us. But sure. Leland, uh, let's get into what is dominating your life. I because of the move, I needed some additional TVs and uh, I talked my wife into um, permanently having two TVs in our family room because of football Saturdays and Sundays and it even uh, basketball season. And that's what she's more into. Uh, so I'm married to a good woman. She is allowing it. We are going to have a little hiding trick for the second TV. So we don't look like TV dominates our life when every guest comes, but most of our guests come to watch sports. So it's going to be awesome that we always have two TVs just already set up. But with that, I had to purchase uh, some new TVs and I got this Samsung and I guess I just hadn't bought a new TV since we got married. Well, I, I did. I, we got a smaller one before. Um, but man, the smart TVs are awesome now. I think <laughs> my last TV was a first generation smart TV, but man, they're awesome. And they can have all the apps for the different stations and HBO and um, MLB and all of them. And uh, it's really cool. So if you haven't bought a TV in a while, you might look into that because it's it makes uh, ESPN Plus is going to be easy to watch when I become a subscriber of that. And uh, the Disney app is going to be on there. So that's going to yeah, be cool. I was so ready to say, are you doing that Disney Hulu plus yes. ESPN? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. I was, gonna, I was already going to get Disney anyway. So it just kind of worked out great for me. Well, I've been doing like the Google Chromecast where like whatever's on your phone, you can throw up on the TV, mm -hmm. but this is all just now right at your fingertips. And and I'm a little late to it. I get that. I, I always used to be like at the front of wanting stuff and wanting the newest thing. And I somewhere and having kids have taken a step back, but uh, it's nice. This new stuff is nice. So uh, I'm give Samsung the, uh, the that a boy. Cause those, those TVs are nice. Yeah. I still don't have a smart TV. So good for you. Um, yeah, my mom got a smart TV, and I had to help her set it up, uh, which is always fun. But, yeah, they are pretty cool. Uh, and, you know, when my TV dies, that'll be obviously the next yeah. move. But And they're good prices right now. Like, you can get a 55-inch one for, like, 397 Don't like, tell me that. Yeah. I need to not be spending money. 
That's so, 4K. I mean, every, I mean it, it does it, stop. It has, this is not helping. <laughs> you should do it. If you're, especially if you're doing Hulu TV, man, what are you doing? I'm not going to get Hulu TV, but. What'd you switch to? It's not, you're not getting Hulu TV in that little deal. You're just getting regular Hulu. Okay. But I'm going to be switching to PlayStation View later this uh, week. I got you. I, I have a you. PlayStation, so it makes it easy. Yeah, that makes it easy. Okay. I missed that you're getting PlayStation TV. Yeah. So there's that. Um, speaking of, Virginia Tech trying to do their best anti-ACC network pitch. Oh, wait, that's later. Um, <laughs> what is dominating my life? Uh, the family reunion. I mentioned it last week. I'm going to mention it again because we need something positive. Um, I went down again. It's Metazadan, which is right there on the Blue Ridge Parkway down at the bottom of the state of Virginia in Patrick County. If you're familiar with Mabry Mill, it's a pretty big landmark on the Blue Ridge Parkway. Uh, it's basically a stone's throw away from there. Uh, we got together with, you know, extended family, uh, family that I'm used to seeing for Thanksgiving, Christmas. And then, you know, like I said, some extended family that this is the only time uh, during the year we get to see them. So it was nice to see them. Uh, our family is also lucky to have many people who are talented in music. So uh, my brother played guitar, uh, cousin of mine played guitar, mom played banjo, uh, some other cousins and uncles played fiddle and uh, mandolin and uh, all kinds of stuff so we had a good old time and uh, really enjoyed that that was nice uh, getting to spend some time down there and we even spent the night down there uh, this year uh, which was good and uh, it turns out I didn't miss anything on tv so uh, (laughs) it was nice to be able to spend time with the family and just have a good time and remember all the good times down there that's good. That's always important. What uh, I know that you need to know, what do you know that we need to know? Uh, this is where Virginia Tech was doing their pitch to make me not buy the ACC network. I'm going to do it anyway because there's other sports that I would like to follow along uh, this season as the ACC plays on, and uh, I will be able to do that if I have the ACC network. So Virginia Tech football is not going to ruin it for me. Um, but football's already not fun. Um, because I know Virginia Tech is going to be struggling to make a bowl game, which to me means they're not relevant. And look, the Ravens are going to win week one. Um, and if they don't, then the season's over, which cool. I'll know that right out the gate. But if they win week one and even win it decisively against the Dolphins, I'm not buying into it. I, the Dolphins aren't good. Um, this is like the Duke game for me with Virginia Tech. Nothing good can come out of the game, only bad. So... I'm not excited about football already other than watching other teams. Well, that's the Joe way of looking at life. My way of looking at life for what I know that you need to know is that there's a bunch of great games to take in this weekend. What I would say is most importantly, you can listen to the radio on Friday night and listen to us call the Riverheads Glenver game. I think it's the best game of the week uh, happening locally. So we'll be on that on the radio ESPN 1240 AM or on Spotify. And then, or not, oh, not Spotify, tune in. Um, so that's the way to find <laughs> us there. And then on Saturday, man, Texas A&M Clemson at 3.30 in the afternoon, followed by LSU Texas at 7, 7.30 at night. Man, that's a lineup right there for football on Saturday. I, I plan to get everything out of the way and so I can sit there at 3.30 on and just watch those good games. Yeah, no, I agree. Those are going to be good games. And like I said, I mean, I say football's already not fun. In terms of the teams I root for, um, for everybody else, it's fine. I'm, I'll be able to yeah. watch Texas A&M, Clemson, and LSU, Texas, and enjoy it for what it is. I'll, I want to watch good football because I'm not going to watch it when I'm 
having a rooting interest. Um, I guess the one team we didn't talk about, I guess we should. Jam, you had a pretty good showing against West Virginia. Yeah, they, they only uh, yeah, lost by a touchdown. And they hit on that better. But yeah, JMU did play West Virginia tough. We were listening to that on the radio as the tech game was starting. Um, so yeah, I mean, a lot of positives to take away from that. And, uh, you know, West Virginia was getting pretty cocky about it. And I'm glad it just kind of shut them up a little bit. Yeah, I think that's more damning of West Virginia. And I also think that a lot of FCS concerns get put to bed in terms of JMU. Uh, when you look that good on the road at, uh, a team that was supposed to be pretty good in the big 12. Um, yeah. Yeah. It would have been nice to get some more points, but you know, it is what it is. And I'm not, nah, gonna, they, they I'm not going to get mad at them for losing against a power five FBS team. Yep. The other thing I want to say football coming up to watch out for, make sure you guys know what you need to watch an NFL sandwich this weekend. Cause Thursday night, green Bay, Chicago starts off the season mm-hmm. on NBC. And uh, that's a good rivalry game. Always a fun game to watch. But then on Sunday, you got Skins Eagles, which is a good matchup. You already talked about your Ravens Dolphins, which that is good of a matchup. But then the Steelers Patriots on Sunday night, and that's that's a good national game. Uh, I know I have the root and interest there, but those those are usually good games. Even when the Steelers don't seem to win any of them, they still battle in those games. So I'm hoping that's a good one there. Um, so yeah, plenty of good football to watch this weekend. And this this weekend, first week at NFL. Now football is fully back. You get it every single night of the weekends. Thursday on. You know, you get your NFL or college on Thursday and then Friday high school, Saturday college, Sunday NFL. And that's that's the best. And we have what go about 15 weeks of this. And that's it's the best time of year. Yeah, it'll be good now that football's back and we'll see what happens Uh, again. For for me, I have a feeling fantasy football is going to be a bigger deal on Sundays than Ravens football. But oh, well. Joe, we need to get that uh, that NFL pick them. thing set up so we look out for yeah this week. we'll set that up again uh you can go right ahead head to head against joe and i on picks in the nfl and uh you know smart outsmart us and if, if you're good if you beat us and you want to be on the podcast we'll take you so uh, we'll get information on twitter out about that and uh make sure we start picking week one please sign up yeah, that'll be cool. <laughs> All right. So follow us on uh, at Yak Sports at Twitter or at Yak Sports Pod on uh, Facebook. Both of those are at Yak Sports Pod. And then email at is yaksportspod at gmail.com. Subscribe on Podbean, Apple, Google, or Spotify, or however you found us this time. Keep doing it, but feel free to use those subscribe things so you never miss an episode because sometimes things happen. We got to do a midweek podcast or. We uh, put one out one evening and we got to put one out later that evening because something big happened. That way you don't miss it and you don't uh, wait till the next week to hear us when we've had something to say. Make sure you tell your friends that we're talking about high school football in Augusta County nonstop this season. And we're also diving into volleyball and the other high school sports to make sure uh, we're talking about the big stories there. So follow us, listen to us and tell your friends. And we will be back next week with more Yak Sports Podcast. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.